Well, this is the last installment of a series that we've been in that we've entitled AKA, also known as God. All throughout the Old Testament gives us this, uh, these revelations of, of his different names. And what he intends for us to do is not just know those names as in call him by those names. He wants us to know those names as experience him by those names. Those names reveal his character. And so I've used the illustration, one of my favorite names, Jehovah Jireh. means God is our, let's see if we learned anything, church. God is our provider. Tell him he's your provider. Tell him he's your provider, right? Tell you, tell him. So God wants you to know that, not just like, I, I know that mentally, I know that intellectually. He wants you to know it experientially, like you, you've experienced it. I've said, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Anyone's seen God provide for them in their life, right? I've seen it. I'm looking at Tatum. We've seen it. It's, it's on our wedding rings. It's it's been the banner in our life. God has always provided. And so we've been looking at these different names. And what we've learned is that he is Elohim. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Rapha. We looked at that last week, uh, two weeks ago. If, if you missed it, God, our healer, please go back and listen to uh, Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. And today, Jehovah, you ready? Shalom. God, our, does anyone know? Peace, shalom. We know the word shalom. God wants you to know him as your peace. Not just intellectually know him as your peace. He wants you to experience a peace that only he can give. Shalom. Someone say shalom. Shalom translates over, it's hard for us to really understand. We say peace, but it doesn't mean what we mean when we say peace. So when we say peace, we think of, of, uh, of something, something absent or the absence of something. So it's the absence of noise, right, that gives us peace, the absence of, of conflict. How many of you, you remember growing up and mom yelling from down the hall, can I just get a little peace and quiet? Like what that meant was, Chris, please stop. Turn down your guitar in the other room. Would you, would you, can you just, it's 11 at night. We're all trying to sleep. And my son does the same thing, everybody. And I want you to know, I yell down the hall and I say, I love it. Turn it up. Come on, Tatum. I do. I love it. I love the noise in the house. Anyway, but do you see, do you see, uh, they, <laughs> they call me turn it up at home, don't you? Yeah. yeah. They're making fun of me. Anyway. We equate peace with the lack of, or the, the absence of noise, or the, the absence of, of conflict. But when God speaks of shalom, listen, the peace he wants to give you, it's not the absence of something, it's actually the presence of something else. So shalom in scripture is the presence, listen, of wholeness, the presence of completeness. So the, the word it has, a, has a literal translation. It's very interesting when you study Old Testament to study the literal meanings of words. There's figurative meanings and literal meanings. And so um, figuratively, it's this, it's this wholeness in your life. It's a, a completeness in your life. But literally, it was a word used for when they, would, when they would build a brick wall. Now think about it. A brick wall has many different pieces to it, right? There's lots of bricks that you need in order to build a, a brick wall. And a brick wall with none of the pieces missing and with all of the pieces in their proper place was said to be a wall of shalom, right? It had it had all of the pieces it needed and all of those pieces were in the proper place. 
if any of those bricks in the wall were missing from the wall or in the improper place within the wall, that wall was beginning to, its shalom was deteriorating. Its completeness, its wholeness was deteriorating. Does that make sense? So that wall could be standing in the midst of conflict. That wall could be in the middle of noise. That wall could be in the middle of a storm, everybody. But if that wall had all of its pieces in its proper place, it would still keep, come on, its shalom. It would still keep its peace. You see, it's a wholeness. It's a completeness. And God says, I want to give you, come on, listen to me. You're here today. You're listening online because God wants to lead you into a place where you are experiencing peace at the deepest level, not based on circumstance or situation, but based on who he is, what he's done, how he sustains you, how he's completed you. Come on, church. Can I get a better amen? God wants to give you wholeness. Someone say shalom. The idea is that life is complex and we got a lot of moving pieces. Anyone got a lot of moving pieces in their life, right? Like there's a lot of things you got to deal with. There's a lot of things you got to manage. There's a, there's a lot of relationships you got to, come on, you got to manage. You got to manage your money. You got to manage your time. You, man, you got to manage other people's expectations. You got to, shall I go on, right? And there's just complexity to, to, to life. And just like that wall, we've got all these pieces. And when those pieces are out of alignment in our life or when those pieces are missing in our life, our shalom breaks down. We're missing our peace. Our wholeness is, is, is missing. And God says, I wanna, I wanna grant you peace that everything in your life can align and everything in your life can, can be where it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to be and, I want to give you peace. This peace is the, is the deepest longing of your soul. Listen to me. Think about this. It's, the, it's, it's what you crave more than anything else in life. You were, because you were created for it. You were created to have a life of, listen, order. Does that make sense? The brick wall is in order. And when your life is not in order, it's in disorder, right? It's in disarray. And when something is in disarray, it, it, it just feels off, right? And so your heart longs for order. Making sense? God is a God of order. There's, like, there's a reason our universe works. There's a, there's a reason that, the, that, the, that the, you know, the cycles within our, in, our, in, our, in our world work. It's because God is a God of order order, right? And you, in your heart, as in your soul, it's longing for this order. You crave it. You crave the shalom of God. You know what our nation's longing for right now? Can I tell you? It's just peace. We, we want shalom. Hey, it's not that, and, and the peace we want isn't just that the economy gets better. I mean, that would be helpful. Come on, somebody. Like, I don't want to, we're going to all be driving electric cars in California, right? Come on. But the peace I want is not just that the economy get better, I'd spend less in gas. The peace that our nation wants is, is that things within our, the soul of who we are as a nation would be put back in order, a proper order. It's, it's God's order, actually. And that's what we're longing for. So we'll try to find it in things that actually don't give it. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but here's the question is if we're longing for it, how do we get it? Like I'm telling you right now, it's available to you. 
because he is the God of peace. Just like his provision's available to you, his peace is available to you. So here's the question. How do I get that peace? How do I get that peace? I, hey, let's, let's, let's build the tension. Ask your neighbor, say, you want it? Come on, tell him, say, you want it? Ask your neighbor, come on, want, up front, help me out. Ask him, say, you want it? You want that peace? I need you to pay close attention to God's word as he leads us toward how to have his peace in our life. To understand this name, Jehovah Shalom, we gotta go back to where it first showed up as we've done with all the names. And this name first shows up in a very interesting place, probably in a place that you weren't expecting it. Like right, right now, where do you expect God to first reveal himself as the God of peace? Um, it's probably not where you're thinking. God first reveals himself as the God of peace to a man by the name of Gideon who's about to fight a battle. And God reveals himself in the book of Judges chapter six to Gideon. Now, spoiler alert before I set all of this up. Um, God, or Gideon is, is going to, at the end of our story, I'm gonna lead you there, at the end of our story, declare you are the God of peace, right? That's where it's first used. You are Jehovah Shalom. He's gonna build an altar to worship Jehovah Shalom. But what I want you to see is how God leads him from where he is, and I'm gonna show you in a minute where he is, to where he needs to be. From the chaos and the confusion and the frustration and the intimidation and the, and the fear and all that was holding him, he leads him from there into the place of peace, and I want you to see how God gets him there. So everyone knows how the story ends. Let me show you how the story begins. Judges chapter six, verses one and two, it says this, that the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. And for seven years, God gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared, watch this, shelters for themselves in the mountain cliffs and the caves and strongholds. Pause with me for a second. The children of Israel are right now in the promised land. Listen to me. They're in the right place. Like they're, they're where God called them to live. They're, they're, they're living in the land, but we got a problem. They have no peace. Although they're in the land, they're not enjoying the land. They're hiding in caves. They're in the right place, but they're not experiencing God's peace. You know, the peace we want isn't about living in the place we want. Isn't only about living in the place we want. The peace we want is bigger than living in, in a place. See, peace isn't just about a place. You need to understand that because if you don't, if you think the peace is gonna come from a, a being in the right place, Here's what you're going to do is you're going to pursue that place. You might even get to that place and realize once you're in that place, you don't actually have the peace that you thought that place would, would give you. Is this making sense? Let, let me break it down for you. Like, like you're going to tell yourself, if you don't understand that peace isn't just about a place, you're going to tell yourself, well, once I get that promotion, I'll finally have peace. Once I get that paycheck, come on, like, I'll finally have peace. Everything will be in order in my life. Once I finally buy that house, drive that car, once I finally meet the one, ah, 
have so much peace. Careful. Because, friends, listen, you need to wake up for a second. Peace isn't just about a place. They're in the right place, but they're not experiencing peace. They're in the right land, but they're living in the caves. And if you don't understand that, you're going to chase all the wrong things. Oh, when I, when I finally have all these things, I'll have peace. Once I finally get my kids in line, once I finally get my spouse in line, once my boss stops doing that, then I'll have peace. I'm going to tell you something up front. It's not a, about those things. The peace you're actually longing for is more than being in the right place. You can get to the right, you can even go get all those things and you're like, I don't, it's still not, there's still no peace. Is this making sense? So, okay, if we're not to chase a place to live, what is it we're supposed to be chasing? Like what was breaking down in, in their life? Why was there no peace? Pay attention. Judges chapter six, as we continue on, we're gonna skip down to verse seven. It says this, when the Israelites cried out to God because of Midian. Now, pause with me for a second. I, I didn't explain to you what Midian was doing and I need to, under, need to understand this. The Midianites were coming in during harvest season and they were stealing all the crops. They were coming in and they were, they were raiding the fields. They were, they were taking all the food. They were, they were burning you know, cities. They, they were just destroying the land. The Bible compared them to locusts that would come in and, and absolutely destroy the land. Well, the children of Israel, because of fear of the Midianites, would then pull away, right? And they would hide out in the caves and everyone's very afraid of losing their lives because these people were ruthless, Okay. And so God now says to them in Judges chapter six, verses seven and 10, the children of Israel says, cried out to the Lord because of Midian. And so they're going, God, help us. We're in the right place, but we're not having peace. We, we still have problems. We still, and watch what God does. God sends them a prophet. The prophet's gonna speak on behalf of the Lord and tell them why they're in the situation that they're in. The prophet says this, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, I brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, after doing all of that, after blessing your life and leading you to where you are right now, to the place you're in, I did all that and all I asked of you is this. I said to you that I am the Lord your God, do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The problem was not with the place they lived. Please hear me. It was with how they lived in the place they lived. See, changing your place isn't always gonna give you your peace because your peace is not just about a place you live. It's about how? Someone say how. It's how you live in the place you live. You can be living in the worst circumstances, under the greatest threats, and still carry a peace inside of you that is unshakable because you live differently. It's how you live. Come on, amen. Yeah, we'll get there, Ernie. I'll give you something in a second. We're moving there. So write this down. To experience God's peace, and we're gonna talk about it, 
We've got to walk in God's way. God said, the reason all of this is happening in your life is because you're not walking in my way. You're in the right place, but you're not living the right life. You see, peace isn't just about living the right place, it's living the right life. The problem wasn't where they live, but how they lived. Peace is less about where we are in life. Some of you, well, this is where I am in life. Come on, don't use that excuse. It's not just about where you are in life, it's more about how we live our life. We're called to walk in God's way. See, God called the children of Israel. You guys tracking with me? You all right? Okay. God called the children of Israel to do some things. Take possession of the land. Chase out the Amorites. He called them to destroy the idols of the land and to worship him and him alone. That's what God said. I'm going to bring you into this land. Here's what I want you to do. You are to take down all the idols, destroy them. All the things that have been set up in this land that do not honor me, you're going to wipe them out. You can take possession of the land and you're gonna worship me in the land. They got to the land, pay attention to this, and instead of destroying the idols of the land, they chose to cohabitate in the land. (laughs) Listen, they just moved in and went, I guess that's all right. And you know what's interesting is that when God tells, the very first thing that God, we're about to meet Gideon in a little bit, the very first thing that God tells Gideon to do is to go destroy the temples to Baal that were in his own home that his father had set up. Like the, the, the culture of the nation they lived in had sept, it, it seeped right into their very, into their own homes. And God's going, the problem's not with the land, it's in how you're living in the land. And friends, the same is true. Please listen, I'm gonna do this all as graciously as I can, but I need you to hang on so we can get to peace, amen? Like, the same is true for us. There's a way that God has called us to live our lives. And the way that God has that called us to live is revealed, do you know where? In God's word. The way God's called us to live is revealed in the word that God has given to us. See, God created everything, amen? And because God created everything, look at he knows how everything works. You with me so far? And because he's such a loving God, he doesn't keep that to himself. Because he's a loving God, he, he reveals it to us. He, he shares it with us. You know, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, David says this in, in the Psalms. He says, I love the law of God. And you're like, David, it's a law. Who loves laws? David's like, I do. Like, David, why do you love laws? He's like, because in those laws, God who created everything, this isn't a verse somewhere, this is me just telling you what David's thinking. David's like, because in those laws, God who created everything is actually sharing with me how everything works. And so I'm gonna hold on to those things because they actually reveal to me what I need. I love the law. He's like, God, just give me your law. Why? Because it's, in, it's instructions. Someone say instructions. It's instructions on how all this is supposed, how all this is supposed to work, right? Um, instructions. Instructions are there to what? Help you. Instructions are there often to protect you. And if you ignore the instructions, in other words, if you ignore how things are supposed to work, you never, you never actually experience how it's meant to work. Did anyone follow that? Like, If we ignore the way things were meant to be, we'll never experience how it's 
meant to be. And God knows how everything's meant to be. God knows, listen, God knows. God knows how sexuality is supposed to work. God knows how marriage is supposed to work. God knows, if we can wait for a little bit on those, okay? God knows how how child raising is supposed to work. Like, God, come on, everybody, you with me? Fill, fill, in the, fill in the blank. God knows how work is supposed to work. And if God knows how all of that works, don't you want to lean into what he has to say? When God gives instructions, you need to pay attention to the instructions. And if you like, um, I'll admit to you that I use a blow dryer in the morning, Okay. <laughs> I might also use a flat iron from time to time. <clears throat> I didn't, I'm not going to tell second service that, so you, only you get to know that. But on, on the blow dryer, there's this thing called instructions. I know everyone's like, I want to know how a blow dryer works. But, but it says on, there's a big tag, and what does it say? Do not use in the bathtub. And it's got like a picture of a bathtub and a big line, like don't, don't do this. And no one in the right mind reads that and goes, oh, so limiting. <laughs> right? No one reads that and goes, oh, what a, this company's like a killjoy. Just trying to, no. Everyone reads that and goes, well, that makes sense. Well, that makes a whole lot. What is that company trying to do? Trying to save your life. As you're out there trying to live in all your liberty and all your freedom. And I just want to. And the company's going, no, 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 don't do it. It's not, it's not worth it. Because they know how it works. Listen to me. God knows how it works. And when he shares with you how it works, it's not because he's trying to be a cosmic killjoy. It's because he's trying to guard you, protect you, bless you, lead you, heal you, restore you. Come on, he's trying to, and God is wanting to do that in our nation. And so God goes, dear nation, this is how it works. Oh, he's so mean. No, he's so loving. And so God is clear in Scripture, and he's, he's loving in, in Scripture, and he's like, this is how sexuality works, and this has how gender works, and this is how sanctity of life works, and this is how, and God says this is how, and this is how Christians are supposed to be compassionate and loving and, and, and not just, and so many, you know, celebrating and rejoicing over the Roe versus Wade thing. But I'm telling you, there's, a, there's, a, there's another level to it, dear Christian. Don't, this, isn't a, this is a starting block of now if we're going to go there. Let's actually move into the place where God's heart says, now, why don't you care for these, for these dear women and everything that they're walking through? And why don't you get involved in, in, the, in the system that's caring for children? And, why don't, and don't just stand there and go, oh, oh yeah, look at No, come on. Like, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. We need to be able to look at, at, at ladies who are struggling with this decision. I'm going to walk with you from beginning to end and through it all once we get to the other side and not just, you know, march down a street of like, we won. no, you won nothing. You started something. And you step up and you continue through and you carry it out. And you love people where they are and you help them through every step of it. You see, because God says it's how it works. Amen. People carrying the pain of, 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 of abortion that they've had, those who it's, it affects them deeply. Like, 
get with them, hear story, and walk with them, care for them. Tell them about the God who forgives and heals. Come on, and sustains, amen? Dear Gideon, you're in a mess. Why? It's not because, it's not the land's fault. Some of you think, well, if we just move out of California. <laughs> I mean, look, at, I'm just to tell you, it's not the land's fault. It's a beautiful land. I've been talking about it all morning. It's not the land's fault. It's, it's not the place, guys, it's, we live, it's, it's how we live in the place we live. I'm telling you, there's a way to live here. I'm going to do it with the rest of my life. Bought a graveyard, bought a, bought a spot of land for me already where you're gonna put this body and it's close by because I'm gonna give my life to this place. Someone said, good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Like, <laughs> the Bible calls it, listen, holy living. Oh, come on. Welcome to church, everybody. We're gonna talk about holy living. Old school, holy living. First Peter verses one, chapter one, verses 14 through 16, it says this, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you once had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is, someone say holy, holy, so be someone say holy, holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Man, that's a lot of holy. Holy, holy, holy. God says, yeah. Holy, here's what it means. Look at me, everybody. You're set apart. Children of Israel, when you went into the land, you're not supposed to live like the land. You're supposed to live set apart. If you want peace in the land, you have to live in the land. How? It's called set apart. And hang with me, because some of you are like, this is so hard, I don't like this message. Hang with me, hang with me. Set apart, it's all in, it's, it's, it's both feet, not one in, one out. The children of Israel live like this, say, God, we love you, but we also love, fill in the blank. God, we love you, but we also, and it ended up deteriorating in life. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who still, who are still trying to live like that. They're trying to have both and. And they end up, here's where you end up. You end up with too much of the world to really enjoy God and too much of God to enjoy the world. And you're miserable. Do you know why you don't have any peace? Well, there's some bricks in your wall that are out of alignment. There's some things you've allowed in your wall that aren't supposed to be in your wall. There's things missing from your wall that are supposed to, come on, be in, in your wall. And here you are, dear believer. You love God, but you also love a little. And I'm telling you, the thing you love a little, fill in the blank, it's gonna say, hey, if you, I, I got some peace over here for you. It always does, it always promises you to the world. If you, if you would just walk down this path, I know that's not what God wants for you, but if you really want to enjoy yourself, if you really want some peace, if you really want, you're gonna walk down this path and it's gonna promise you the world, but it's always gonna leave you empty. It's gonna promise you fulfillment in the land, but it's gonna leave you hiding in the caves, just like the children of Israel. Why? Because it's called compromise. And you can't live with compromise and have peace in your life. Ever. I mean, you go try and put a foot on the, on the dock and a foot in a boat that's not anchored. 
eventually you're going to split your pants. And I think this is a lot of Christians, right? Like, we're just trying to do both. Like God says, no, no, be all in. Be all in. Come on, all in. Amen. He... Ah, my mind is running on a different, bunch of different Bible stories, but holy, set apart. Holiness, it, it just chooses to stop playing the game and live a life of surrender. That's, oh, what's holiness? Just stop playing the game. Live a life of surrender. What's holiness? Let me, let me tell you. It's not just running from a bunch of stuff. This is gonna help somebody. Listen, somebody think, okay, okay, good message. I, I gotta start, I gotta stop running from, you know, uh, sexual impurity. I gotta stop running from, uh, from lying. I gotta stop running from, hey, look, I'm at, no one's saying to stop running from those things. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm saying there's some other things you're supposed to run toward. Because see, holiness isn't about running from. Oh my gosh, I'm going to run from that, run from No, 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 no. Holiness is about running toward God. Does that make sense? Because here's the difference. If I run from impurity, oh, oh i got to run from impurity. You don't know where you're going. You're just running from it. Oh, and you're, you're, out, you're out there running. You're like, hello, where are you going? I don't know, I'm just running from it. Stop, stop running from it. Run toward God, you see? I'm going to run toward purity. I'm going to run toward his heart. I'm going to toward his word. I'm going to run toward, like, what does God say, right? I'm going to run toward, and when I do that, where am I going? I'm going Godward. I'm going Godward. I'm going, and all of a sudden, I look back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I haven't even thought about those things, right? Because I've been running, see, holiness. I'm running toward God. Amen? Come on, this isn't in my notes. This is for somebody. I, I'm just talking to you right now. Like, run toward, you see. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 8 say this. Those who live, and I don't even have a, a message clock, so we're just going to keep going, everybody. Here we go. Ready? No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Some of you. Okay. Romans, 5, Romans 8, 5 and 8 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. They're always thinking about it. You're just thinking about flesh. It's the you minus God part of you. The you before God got a hold of you, you. Remember that you? God says that you, if, if all you do... What that you does is it always thinks about what the flesh desires. But watch this. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. It's living in caves. It's in the land, but not enjoying the land, right? But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace, wholeness, completeness, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile toward God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But those who are in the realm of the flesh, they can't even please God. The mindset in the spirit, life, and someone say peace, peace. So to experience God's peace, everybody, listen, we gotta learn to walk in God's way. Now, some of you got some decisions to make. We've got, some of us have some some. Uh, changes we've got to make in our life. And a lot of you have come up against these changes before and you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this because I've tried to do this. I, I, can't, I can't overcome this because I've tried to overcome that. Come on, in my life. I, 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 there are some things, listen, the, the, the children of Israel were supposed to fight back the Midianites. And there's some places in your life where you got to go fight. And you're like, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I have what it takes to go into this fight. I don't know. Well, friends, let me introduce you to this last one. It's the last point. It's that to experience God's peace, 
you also get God's presence. So as you go out to do what God has called you to do, you're not gonna go and do it alone. Look at me. You're, you're, you're not doing this in your own strength. <sighs> like I thought, I thought you were telling me we gotta go. No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you, you got a God who doesn't just call you to go do a thing. You got a God who walks with you as you go to do the thing. Amen? So listen to what it says. God, God is calling Gideon to lead the way and setting things right. The first thing he's got to do is to go back and get rid of the, the uh, uh, idol that his father has set up to Baal within his home. And then he's got to put together an army. And that's a whole story about how God gets it down to 300 and all that. But he gets to put together an army to go up against the Midian. There's some fight in front of him. And he knows there is. And so, he, so, so he's nervous. I, I want you to see that where God calls him to go in to battle and God calls him to start walking in his way. Judges chapter 6, 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abzerite. You say names fast and it sounds like you know what you're saying. Abzerite. Where his son Gideon, watch, was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep himself from the Midianites. You're supposed to thresh wheat up on the, up on the hill but where's getting is in the wine press. Remember, why is he in the wine press? Because the, some, the, the Midianites are out there because they're trying to kill him. So he's hiding. And some people, what a, what, a, what a chicken hiding out in the wine press. At least he was doing something. Like he wasn't up in the caves with everybody else. At least, I love Gideon. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna provide for my family today. I don't wanna lose my life, but I am gonna thresh some wheat, right? I'll go down to the wine press. And was like, why? Don't pick on the guy. He's doing more than most, amen? And so he's down there and he's threshing wheat in the, in the, in the wine press. And the angel of the Lord shows up to him and says this. The angel of the Lord appeared again and he said, the Lord is, someone say, with, with you, mighty man of valor. He's in a wine press hiding out. And God's going, I see so much in you. Why? Because Gideon, it's not about you. I am with you, mighty man of valor. You're not a mighty man of valor on your own, Mr. Wine Press, but you're a mighty man of valor because I am with you. Changes everything. Changes everything. So, Gideon, you're going to go up against the Amorites, but you're not going to go alone. Gideon says, well, God, if you're with me, and he goes on for a few verses, and he's like, why is all this happening? Where are the miracles that, that we're supposed to be experiencing? God, where's all the stuff that we heard you can do? And I think there's a lot of Christians right now in their own life, and in the line, God, where is all the miracles? God, where is, why aren't we seeing revival yet? Lord, where is, where are you in all this? God, where's the, the stories we've read about? God, where's, come on, we're, we're crying out to God like Gideon, like, God, if you are with us, then why is all this happening to us? Watch, God ignores all of that in verse 14, and he says, the Lord turned to him and he said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am sending you, or am I not sending you? I love it. God, where are you? God, why aren't we seeing? God, 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 what we've heard of the stories of old, and God, we're, we're longing. Why, why does it just feel like, God, you've abandoned us? And God is like, I don't know, can we just, just, just go in the strength you have? In other words, you want to see me move? Then you just got to get up and move. If you want to see what I can do? Then I need you to step in some things you need to do. Like, you, you got to get moving, Gideon. And, and God's like, those questions, well, you, you're going to see me work as you put your forward toward the, foot forward toward the work. Does that make sense? But you can do that because 
I'm with you. See, some of you are on the edge of like, I, I, gotta, I gotta change some things in my life. And I, I gotta start making some, I, this, this, like, I know how God's told me to live, but I haven't been living how God's told me to live. I don't know if I can live how God has called me to live. No, you can't on your own. That's why when you give your life to Jesus and you are saved, you're filled with the spirit of God who empowers you to live the life that God has called you to live, to walk in his way. You see, you're not going to do it on your own. He's with you. Someone say, he's with me. Come on, someone say, he's with me. He's with me. Gideon, do you want to see what I can do? Then do what I've called you to do. Walk in my way and I'll empower you with my presence. Walk in my way, and I'll empower with you in my, my presence. Go stand against the Midianites and fight. Some of you have been called, listen, to fight, to fight. I mean, don't run from the tension. You got to run toward it. Look at me. Don't, don't run from what's hard, but run toward what's hard. I tell my kids all the time, do what's hard first. We always put it at the last of the list. No. Do it first. It's next. Gideon goes back and forth. His worship team starts to come up with God on, God, how do I know you're really with me? God, I'll, I'll go. But he's like a little, everyone knows the, the, whole, the whole picture of the fleece. That was Gideon. God, if it's really you, put dew on this side of the fleece, right? Wait, wait, God, wait, God. And God does it. He's like, well, God, if it's really you, then, and he's just like, he's like, I just need to know you're with me, God. And God's like, I've already told, okay, we'll just keep. And God is gracious with Gideon and proves to him, I'm with you, right? And, and, and watch what happens in the Judges chapter six, verse 22 and 24 as we close. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, at last, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, don't be afraid. You're not going to die, Gideon. I got you, Gideon. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Let me ask you a question. What changed in Gideon's life? Did his circumstance change? Nope. Situation changed? Nope. The land changed? Nope. Place changed? Nope. Did he move out of California? Nope. I'm just kidding, by the way, kind of, not really. What changed? None of that. What changed was him recognizing that he had a call on his life and he had a God who was going to walk with him in life. You're going to get all sorts of peace inside of you when you realize you got a call in your life. Look at me, you got a call in your life. You got a call in your life. You got some things God's called you to do in life. You got some places God's called you to go in life. You got some fights God's called you to fight in life. You got some things God's called you to stand for in life. You got some purity you're going to you're going to run toward. You got you got you got a bigger life than the one you're living now. And God says, I'm going to call you into it. You got a calling on your life and you got a God that's going to walk with you into all of it. And Gideon said, situation hasn't changed but something's changing inside of me. I got a peace. I got a peace. There's a, there's a shalom. Say shalom. There's a wholeness. There's a completeness. There's a, man, I'm, I'm, I feel fortified right now. Why? Because I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some decisions right now that I needed to make for a really long time. I'm going to tear down some things in my life that I've allowed to be set up in my life. I'm going to fight off some things in my life that have come into my life. Man, I'm just going to just start drawing a circle around me and say, God, I, I want all of this dedicated to you. Help me, walk with me, be with me.
God says, I am. I am. I tell you, church, I got peace all up inside me. I got a calling on my life and I got a God who's walketh me every step. Church, and you gotta know that. As you go out to do what God's called you to do, you will never, ever, ever be alone. The picture so many have of God is that he's at a distance and he's, he's up in heaven, he's looking down and he's going, hey, and he's, and he's watching, like, are you living how you're supposed to live? That's not God. He's not in heaven looking down going, are you living how you're supposed to live? God is here and he's present and he's helping you live how you're supposed to live. He's picking you up when you fall down and dusting you off and he's putting you back on the right path and he's washing in his grace. And, and see, he's close. He's close. You know, it's funny, sometimes we pray and I get the sediment. God, would you just be with me today? God, would you be with them today? Would you be with me today? And I get the sediment, but let me help you real quick. God is with you today. Come on, God is with you today. And what you need is not to beg God to be with you. Change your prayer. God, help me to recognize the fact that you are with me today. Say, I need to be awakened to your presence that's already with me. He's already, and that, God is with you. It's just you stop and going, oh yeah, I can breathe because I'm not alone. I haven't been forsaken. I'm not in this by myself. I can breathe because he's always been with me. He's never left me and he's never forsaken me. Come on, amen. Philippians says that when we cast our cares on him in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? Stay close to me and I'll give you peace. It transcends understanding. What's that mean? It's not my peace. Why do you have that peace? I don't know. It's not my peace. If it was my peace, I'd be freaking out right now. But I've stayed close to God. I don't get it, but I got a peace. Jehovah Shalom in Jesus' name. Amen.